Lord, I just thank you for this morning, just for preparing our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. We just thank you for the fellowship of this house, just the family atmosphere with not as many kids today running around, just being part of the family, but with the the kids that you've brought together with the grandparents and the great-grandparents, just the family that you have placed us in. Scripture says that you place the lonely in families. And so we thank you that you're doing that here in this place, Lord, no matter what age, no matter what you're going through, that, that people can come here and they can meet you and they can get to know you through the, the lives of people that are doing our best to live our lives as surrendered to you. I just thank you for every single person, no matter where we are in our journey, that you, that you love us, that you look upon us, that you smile, that you are happy with us, that you adore us, that you sing over us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Just in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Ooh, worship was really, really, really good today. My goodness. I mean, it's always good, but something about today, I think it was really good. Um, I want to talk today and probably for about the next month about, uh, I'm calling it the obedience of faith. Many of us, when we hear the word obedience, we don't get super excited about it. Talisha, I don't know why. <laughs> I just have to say it. Um, and if, anybody, if this resonates with anybody else, I just want you to know that with uh, what we call the prophetic, if something sort of rings in your heart as truth, then you can receive it for yourself, even though I feel like the Lord um, wants me to share something with you in front of everyone, which I normally wouldn't do. But um, (laughs) when Chelsea was sharing about inheritance, this one scripture came to my mind about um, he diligently, he's he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I just saw you I saw like some scholars like diligently seeking like with, you know, microscopes and like digging through scripture and stuff, but I saw you, you don't diligently seek him like that. I mean, you might, I don't know you, but I think what the Lord showed me is that you diligently seek him like a kid digging through a toy box, like looking for the toy that maybe like is all still together and is maybe still in the package or whatever, like you just like like you're just looking all the time you're always looking for him and like in everyday places not just in like scholarly environments and not just in the bible but like in life in the in the in the lives of your kids and like the expressions of your kids and in in family relationships and you know at the toy store but I just saw you like and I just felt like he was just saying that he just loves that you embody just like childlike you you when he tells us to be childlike he's saying like I want you guys to be more like her I want you to just always be like in awe and in wonder of the things that I that you of what you find when you're looking for me that he's just like so excited about us when we just look for him in toy boxes and look for look for him in every all the everyday things and all the everyday places so anybody else that feels like that's for them i just want to bless you and pray for you that i just pray that 
um, that he would just reveal himself to you in very unexpected places and that it would just bring like a smile to your heart, to your face and a joy in your heart that your spirit would recognize that that's from him and it's just for you. Whew, sorry, I can't, I couldn't start without getting that out. Anyway, thank you for just being childlike. I love that. Um, I want to talk about faith and I want to talk about obedience. A lot of times we want our children to, anybody raise kids? We want our kids to be obedient. If you have not raised a kid, you were a kid at one point, and there was probably a point where obedience was stressed and expressed and expected, especially when you're little littles. Your mom says it's time to go to bed, and you want to argue about whether or not it's time to go to bed, and your mom is like, no, it's time to go to bed. But then if you're still saying it's time to go to bed to your kids when they're 30, like, you have a pro- we have a problem here. Because what we're actually supposed to do when we're raising up our children and what we are, are doing as we are raised by someone else, and then talking about in discipleship too, where we are raised in a church. I was raised spiritually in this church. And so I have an idea of how I like to raise other people because I've had good and mostly good, but a little bit of different experiences with being raised up in discipleship. Some of you guys will have a different story because you've been in churches longer or in more different types of churches, that type of thing. But when we're raising someone up or when we are being raised up, we're not being raised up to stay um, controlled forever. What we want is for eventually for some self-management to sort of come in and un- the understanding of wisdom of why it's a good idea to go to bed early. If you have to work at 7 in the morning, you probably shouldn't be staying up till 3 in the, in the morning, right? The night before. You're not going to perform well. But see, you learn the concepts when you're being raised up um, in obedience with the expectation that when you don't any longer have somebody telling you you have to do something, that you see the wisdom in it and you learn and you begin to take on those values yourself. You know, when we're raising up our kids, we, we ask them to sweep the floor, not because we are not capable of sweeping the floor, but because we want, as they grow up, and we, we're asking them to be obedient and help with their chores and stuff like that, that when they move out, then they'll hold on to that value, and they will, on their own, sweep the floor, because they don't want to live in filth. You know, and some of us that have raised grown kids, we know that they'll be filthy for a while, but hopefully they'll grow out of it. I personally was very disgusting when I was a 19-year-old, and I'm not now. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't like to live in the chaos of a, a crazy house like I didn't, that I didn't mind that when I was 19. You know what I'm saying? So when we're raising up people into obedience, we don't mean control. Like, the Lord is controlling us always, and he wants to keep us under his thumb, and if we get out from his, what he wants us to do, then we're, we're just going to be on our own, and too bad, and he's going to leave us. Like, that's not, that's not what he's asking from us. That's not how he leads us. That's not how he raises us up and grows us and matures us. Now, when we're raising little people, there's an obvious, a three-month-old looks different than a 35-year-old, Right? There's an obvious you can tell. You're not going to expect the three-month-old to be able to walk and feed itself and sweep the floor and go get a job and provide for the family because it's th- the child is three months old. Now, the 35-year-old, if the 35-year-old isn't 
going to work and sweeping the floor and providing for the family and that type of stuff, most of the time we recognize that there's a disconnect, there's something that didn't happen in the maturing process, right? And so with spiritual maturity, <laughs> it's hard because there's not an obvious outward sign with our eyes that we can see. Someone may, maybe might come to the faith at 50 years old but st and still be very immature. And some of us are, you know, 20 years old but have been walking with the Lord for over a decade. And so they may be a little bit more mature than, say, the 50-year-old that just came to the faith. Does that make sense? So, so there's, a, there's spirit our, that the Lord has decided to put his Holy Spirit in us and that the Lord has given us gifts, one of which is discernment, to be able to see what is going on spiritually and to pay attention to what's going on inside ourselves spiritually, right? Just because we have been um, a Christian for... 20 years doesn't mean that we're, we have been maturing that whole time, right? It, it, would, it would be awesome if we just automatically started maturing spiritually, even though we had been a Christian for 20 years. But most of us, like for me, my story is I got saved when I was 19, but I didn't start walking with the Lord for like 15 years. So here about a little over 10 years ago, I started walking with the Lord, and, and I can tell you that my life at 35, spiritually looked very similar to my life when I was 19 spiritually because I didn't take time to mature it and to grow it. But as I took time these last 10 years to mature it and grow it and to, to live life with people that are on the same path, that, that, you know, live life with people that have been serving with the Lord, really serving the Lord, not just called themselves a Christians for 50 years, but I'm talking like walking with the Lord for 50 years, being transformed by him, allowing him to form himself in them. And, we, and, and I started really seeing that there was something that a lot of them had in common, and the things that a lot of these people that I have walked with for the last 10 years that have walked with the Lord for a lot longer is that they... They love the word. They want for the Lord for the word to be matured and internalized them, and their lives look different because of it. And so I I want for us, and I feel like this is kind of what um, what the gospel is supposed to do is our faith is supposed to look like something in our lives. That, that, that when we come to faith, when we come to say, I believe in Jesus, when we decide we're going to call ourselves born again, when we decide that we're going to say, I'm, an, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going I'm to allow myself to be discipled by Christ. And, it's not, it's, and I'm saying allow myself because there's something that has to happen where we lay down our own things that we want to do in order to hear and pick up the things that he wants for us to do. So we have to actually allow ourselves to be discipled by people and by Jesus, by the word. We have to allow ourselves, we have to allow ourselves to be, to have himself form in us. We have to intentionally put the word in our heart and allow it to, to, to mess with the way that we think. You know, when I first came to the Lord, I knew that there was, not came to the Lord, but when I first really started walking with the Lord and coming and being in, in relationship with a lot of these guys, um, I knew that certain things were sins, like I knew, and I knew that I had sinned. I knew that I had messed up a lot. Like I had, so those of you guys that know my testimony and my story, like we had split up for a couple of years. We had relationships with other people. Like all this stuff happened, and we decided that we were going to um, get back together and like put 
the work that we had been doing to do other stupid stuff into our relationship. And we decided about that time that we were going to do it with allowing the Lord to work in our lives. And we just, we have this awesome story of like craziness and forgiveness and stuff. But when I first, like I knew that some of that stuff was sin. But you know what I didn't know actually was sin and sin is stuff that's destructive. I didn't realize that gossip even though it was in the Bible, but like talking about somebody when they weren't there, I didn't realize that that was bad because everyone that I knew did it. All my family did it. All my work family did it. Everyone did it. My brothers and sisters did it. It, it, was, not, it was not abnormal for me to, man, that guy annoys the crap out of me. I'm glad he's not here or, you know, whatever. But I remember like being just even in, in worship team practice and someone would say something, usually not me because I was kind of quiet back then, but, um, but George would be like, yeah, we're not, we don't talk about people when they're not here. And so, like, he, like, established that as a value within the people. And so that's, that's just what we, we, we didn't do it. And I learned, I learned it first from being with someone that verbalized it. But then as I got into the word, I saw that what he was saying was true. He's like, don't gossip, don't slander, don't backbite with each other, don't eat each other alive. You know, as, and as, like we talked about last week, this is a corporate word. He's saying to all of us, he's saying, church, body of Christ, all of us, denominations included, you know, everybody, like church, you group of people that call yourselves uh, followers of me, you group of people that God calls holy, that God bestows righteousness upon. He's like, you guys cannot fight and backbite and gossip and slander within each other. We can't have it within you. We don't, it's not just one person. You don't talk smack about people. It's all of us. Hey, we are a community and God is trying to do something beautiful in his church. He's, he's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a group of people that are perfected. And he knows that, that there is a world that we live in that wants to destroy us. And he's like, listen, you guys can't be destructive within each other. I need for you, the way that you talk to each other, I need you guys to stir each other to good works. I need you guys to count other people as more, as more important than yourselves. I need for you guys to encourage and with songs and with scriptures and with, with, with just all like good things. Think, I, I need for you to focus on things that are good, things that are lovely, things that are beautiful, things that are worthy, things that are holy, things that are pure. This is what I'm calling my people to. And, and as we get into community with people and we figure out by people verbalizing a value that they have learned, and I don't know how long you've walked in this, George, but, but you, he, you, we instill the values and we verbalize them and we teach the people that come into the space with us, into the church with us, the immature people that we can't tell if they're mature or immature except for from our spirits. But we teach these people how we live and then we study the word together and they start to see that, oh, this is true. Oh, this is why he says this. Oh, this is why. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that that was actually scripture. Now when I read the Bible, like, I knew I'm, I learned all these songs in the 90s when I first got saved and I was going to church. And I would, and now when I read Psalms, 
I like, I start going like, I'm reading, 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 and I see like, shout to the Lord, and I'm like, shout to the Lord of the earth, let him sing. And so I like these songs that I didn't even know were scripture, like I come across them, and I remember them. Oh, that's in Psalm, blah, 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 blah. Or like, and like when Chelsea was talking earlier, there's, it's like, oh, that's Psalm 16, oh, I love that one, you know, and she's like, yes, the paths of life and you know at his right hand are pleasures forevermore and like you know these the, like, songs are a great way for us to learn scripture well what a scripture oh that's from the lord oh that's from holy spirit you know sometimes songs are things that we have learned and we're trying to verbalize them for other people but many times and that's what the hymns were the hymns were ways to remember scripture you will see hymns that are line by line by line. Scripture. And they didn't have microphones, and they didn't ha- you know, they printed books, and everyone had it, and but turn to page 162. We're going to sing, you know, I tarry in the garden alone or whatever. In the garden? Is that what that one is called? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. Anyway, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Our songs are ways to learn Scripture but the thing is, as many times when you first come in, I, I sit here and I think like you've only been in church for like a month and you, you don't know that a lot of these things are songs or are, are, are scripture. But as you go through and as you dig through, you're going to be like, oh, cool, yeah, oh, that's in the Bible. Oh, man, I love that song. That's going to remind me now of this. We tie these things together. The songs that we sing are sometimes the first, some of the first things that people um, do together as a group when they first come into the church, right? Was that your guys' experience? You come, you have, a, you have a song service, you know, and then as you get into relationship with people, then they will teach you things like we don't slander and gossip about people when they're not here. If we want to talk to them about something, we will bring them in and we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation, that type of stuff. And then as we, as we dig into the word together, we start realizing that all of this stuff is tied together, all of this stuff is what builds people. But what the gospel is asking for us, and this is all why it's important for the church to meet together, for us to be able to verbally teach people, for us to, ver- to be able to sing songs about, about Jesus, sing songs about God, get scripture into our heart in that way, and dig into the word together. Because the, the gospel <laughs> is trying to bring about an obedience that comes from faith. Sometimes our words, we think we know what faith means. Faith means that I have trust or I have confidence in, in Jesus. I have decided that when someone told me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and, and that he went to hell and that he defeated death and that he rose again on the third day and that he went to go be with the right hand of the Father and that he said it is finished, that everything that 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 encapsulates is true and I say I'm gonna believe that as I shared earlier I lived my life for 15 years without my life being transformed by that truth and now I've lived my life for 10 more years allowing my life to be transformed by that truth there is an obedience of faith that the gospel is drawing us into and it has and it, that's kind of what I want to talk about over the next few weeks is the types of things that 
that the gospel wants for us, how we can interact with it, what it's trying to do in us. Faith doesn't just mean, I've decided, yes. I've decided that all those words that you just said, Jen, were true. Faith is actually what happens after that, too. So this is what, um, the, faith, the word faith is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. It's the conviction of truth. The conviction, there's the conviction, we talk about it sometimes, we don't like it because we don't like being convicted by the Lord, but it's a good thing. Conviction is, is I believed one thing, and now I ha- my heart has been convicted that, that that's, this other thing is true, and I need to reject the ways, the ways of that other way that I used to believe. Because there are ways that go along with a belief. If we believe something, we will behave as if it's true, even if it's a lie. So we gotta take care of our, the things that we write on our heart as truth, right? We gotta take care of the things that we believe. The things that we believe drive our behavior, the things that we believe drive our decisions, they, de- they drive the relationships that we choose, they drive the way that we react. So that's honestly one of the things that I generally say is that you can actually tell if your beliefs have changed because they will show up in your responses, especially under stress. When you go through something real hard, but you find out if you believe what you say you believe, you could say all day, I believe that the Lord is, is, is my provider. But if something happens and I need something, am I going like, oh my God, what do I do? Or am I going like, Lord? Um, and this is how we persuade our hearts. Lord, I know I'm going through something hard. I know that you didn't bring it on, but, and I know that you have provision, so I'm just asking for you to show me what it is. What decision do I need to make? Where do you want me to go? And all of this can be surrounded in perfect peace. You know, this is how, this is why it's hard when people only come to church when they're going through a really hard time, because they haven't, they haven't the history built. But we, as we live our lives with him day by day, if we allow faith to bring, a, bring about the obedience that, it's at, that he's asking from us, if we allow it to, to sink into our bones and into our reactions, and, and as we build history with him, then I can say, I, I can say stuff like, um, Okay, I'm getting sick. I feel a cold coming on. Anybody sometimes you know when a, when a cold's coming on? And there was a time that I would just resign myself like, oh, I guess I'm going to get sick now. I guess better go get some chicken noodle soup, and I better go make sure that I'm stocked up on NyQuil and that type of stuff, and I just get ready to get sick because I can feel that a cold is coming. Because I didn't know that in Scripture it talks about that... Uh, by his stripes we are healed. Because Jesus received 40 lashes and, and was beaten and was, was um, tortured, that I can receive my healing. And, and, I, and, I, saw, and I, saw in, I saw it in other ways in scripture, and I started seeing other people going like, you know, you don't, oh, we reject that assignment. We, no, we say no, we're not, you're not going to get sick. What are you talking about? Come on, let's get our hands on, her, on this girl and let's pray. Let's anoint her with oil. The scripture says that if someone among you is sick, then let the elders come around them and place their hands on them and, and pray, and the, and the sick person will get well. And it says that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective, and they're working. And as you start, 
as I started learning this and starting to believe it, I found out that I actually believe when it, that it was true. When I start getting sick and I lay my hand on my own self because I am a leader of the church and I am, you know, a righteous person and my prayers are mighty and effective and they're working and I can be like, no, we reject the, the assignment of the enemy in this body. We are not going to get sick. This body is set aside for the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ and I can pray for myself and you guys I'm not kidding. I got COVID last year. But before that, I had not been sick probably for like four or five years. Because every time I started getting sick, I would just pray for myself. And if I came across, you know, Peggy or Anita or somebody, I would be like, oh man, I'm getting sick. Can you pray for me? But it really hardly ever happened. But that's how I figured out that I believed what I said I believed is when it showed up in my response. When I started feeling sick, like, it, I, I just did, I stopped getting sick. And we can all do this. What we have to do is we get to gotta get his, his word in our hearts. We gotta be, be around people that demonstrate that they believe what his word says is true also. Right, this is important. Church is important. But it's trying to bring us somewhere. It's trying to do something. It's trying to take you somewhere. It's trying to hone in where you're going to where he says that he wants you to go. And this is where obedience is it doesn't seem like it, but it's the freest place you can be. Because God, if we believe, if we start believing that God is good, we sing about it. We hear, God, we hear the saints, we hear stories of people talking about the goodness of God. We, we remind ourselves, we store those testimonies up in our hearts, and when things aren't going well, we, we remind ourselves. We, we go like, no, no, remember when the Lord did this? Remember when we didn't have money for our house payment and, and it showed up? Remember when I needed uh, to send my kid to camp and somebody just said, hey, I need it. I literally, somebody, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even ask for it. But I was checking my bank account and somebody texted me. It was like, hey, the Lord uh, told me that you need this amount of money. Do you need this amount of money? And I was like, I almost, I almost was like, no, I'm fine. But then I was like, Lord, what do you say? And he's like, I'm just trying to show you that I can provide for you. So I'm like, so I text her back. You know how hard it was? You know how hard it was to say, I feel like the Lord is telling me to say, yes, I'm supposed to let you give me, you know, this amount of money. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, try he's training us. He wants to bring us to obedience. I would have said, no, I can take care of myself. He is saying... I need for you to say yes, because if you say yes to this, you don't even understand the things that I'm going to open up for you, but I need, to, I need you to know how to say yes. He's bringing me to obedience. He's bringing me to the obedience that comes from faith. And obedience that comes from faith is the freest place that we can be, because if we are in the obedience that comes from faith, we are going towards a God that is calling us to him, that is calling us to heaven, that is calling us to understand that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. He is calling us away. He's calling us away out of anxiety. He's calling us out of fear. He's calling us out of depression. He's calling out, us out from underneath the bondage of the world that is trying to keep us tied down and worried and scared and afraid and helpless and fearful and and frozen and he's like no that is not your portion that is not your cup what i have for you is so much more when the bible says that he wants to open the floodgates of heaven it means it but he is like listen i can't 
open the floodgates of heaven if you're staying stuck in your sin on purpose. So faith always calls us to obedience. And so if we can change our, our thought process, our relationship with, with, uh, with obedience, if we can change the way that we think about being um, disciplined, if we can change the way that we think about those things and actually start seeing them as good things, as correction from a loved one, as being something that's good because they love you and they care about you, you guys, it's gonna, your lives are going to change because we will stop resisting the, the calling up to the obedience of faith. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 13 there is this little teeny two-line parable about the mustard seed in matthew chapter 13 verses 31 and 32 it says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and he planted in his field and though it's the smallest of seeds when it grows it is the largest of the garden plants it becomes a tree and all the birds come and perch in its branches. What God is calling us to is always the kingdom of heaven. We have faith in the kingdom of heaven. And it is a seed that is so small. And here's the thing. A man took it and he planted it. Anybody have any seed packets hanging out at their house? I mean, it's the, it's the planting time, right? And some of us, we go like, I'm going to plant a garden, and then we buy seeds 5, 10, 15 years ago, and we never plant them. Has anybody ever gotten a field growing in their kitchen from a, a packet of seeds that, that was left in the package? Nobody? I didn't mean either. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't the only one. No, no, we have to plant this seed in a field. It has to be planted. And then... When that happens, though it is the smallest, and I got to tell you, you guys, you grew up in a world, in a culture, among a worldview, in a family, in, in a workplace, you know, in a school, whatever, that taught you certain things. When you fir very first hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is such a small seed. It is so small. Those of us that came to the faith as an adult, remember, remember that. It seemed so small, but yet as we plant it in our fields, in the fields of our hearts, though it is the smallest, it doesn't say if it grows, it says when it grows. If you plant the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your heart, when it grows, it will become the biggest thing in your life. We want our faith to be cultivated until it is the biggest thing in our life. We want our relationship with God to be the most important thing in our life, and it is, takes time. We have to plant it, and we have to give it time to grow. And we've got to pay attention to it. Maybe hang out with some other farmers that are doing the same thing. Maybe come to church, sing a couple songs. There's a book they wrote about it. Dig into it a little bit. When it grows, like there's a couple of verbs there that are powerful. And, the, and I was reading um, in, in Romans, and I don't know how many times I've read the Bible, and I am constantly reading it. I had never seen that the beginning of Romans and the end of it, which the Romans is con considered to be one of the most comprehensive statements of 
um, or I guess teachings of the gospel and, and the maturing of the gospel. It was written to uh, Rome by Paul. And it starts out, Uh, He says, I'm Paul, and I'm a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel, the gospel that he promised beforehand through his prophets prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to this earthly life was a descendant of David, a descendant of David. So he's saying, this is who I am. This is what I do. It's about Jesus. Jesus sent me. Through whom the spirit of holiness was appointed, the Son of God, in power by his resurrection from the dead. He's saying, I believe in the gospel. I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Through him, through Jesus, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the, to the obedience that comes from faith. So there was two groups of people. There was people that were Jewish that were converted to Christianity, and then there was the Gentiles the everyone else. Most of us are not coming to faith in Jesus as a Jewish person, so most of us are the Gentiles, okay? So Paul is like, listen, spirit of holiness was appointed by the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through him we receive grace to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. At the very end of Romans, at the end of the 16th chapter of Romans, not a him who is able to establish you in accordance with the gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus, keeping in revelation of the mystery hidden for a long time, but it's now been revealed, and it's been made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the internal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. This book is bookended at the beginning and the end with the statement that its purpose is to bring people to the obedience that comes from faith. Faith is not the choice. Faith is what happens after you make the choice. Faith is what happens when we take that seed, we plant it in the garden of our hearts, and we cultivate it and, and let it grow to be the biggest thing in our lives. Faith is every, it's faith and everything that, that faith produces in your life together with faith. Because, you know, some of us have made errors in our lives, and we can learn things, and we can get, grow ourselves in gifts, and then we can turn around and we can use those gifts in a way that worldly people use those gifts. We can step away from it being attached to faith. And we can, usually that starts to look like control at some point. Um, <clears throat> there's no faith aside from the outworking of the faith. Does that make sense? You can't say that I have faith. I think in James it talks about, you can talk about your deeds apart from faith, but I'll show you my faith by my deeds. I'm gonna, I'll show you that I believe because, what, because I believe has produced something in my life that proves that I believe. So you can do your deeds apart from faith all you want, and you can also tell yourself, you, which you would be lying, that you have faith, but you don't have any deeds with it. So he's saying like one completes the other one. 
Um, faith that's working in our lives, it cannot help but show itself. It cannot help but show up in your life, in your habits, in your thought patterns, in the way that you do relationship, in the way that you make choices. Lou opened up this meeting with, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know how hard of a word that is right now? I need for you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on anything that you already know. You've been on the planet for 25 years, you probably learned a thing or two about how to figure out your life. You've been on the planet for 50 years, 75 years. You know, some of you guys are different ages. I've been on the planet for 44 years. I've learned a few things, Lord. I'm not allowed to use any of that stuff. He's like, I want for you to trust in me in all of your ways. Don't lean on anything that you understand about life and the world and relationships. But in every single thing you do, acknowledge me and I will make your path straight. He's like, every single thing you do, I want you to check in with me. Like, when, when I'm checking my bank account and someone says, do you need money? I need for you, before you make your decision, can you just check with me? Just acknowledge me. Just ask me, Lord, what do you say about this? And I will make your, life, I will make your path straight. He's like, I will teach you. I will guide you. I will disciple you. And we can say all we want that all I need is Jesus, I don't need the church. But guess what? There's something that happens when you are in a relationship with other people that are on the same journey as you. Farmers hang out with other farmers for a reason. They learn things. They share knowledge. You know, people that play basketball hang out, hang out with other basketball players because they learn from each other. They share knowledge. They sharpen each other. They get better from playing together. You know, like that's why they have basketball camps in the summer and winter, or basketball is a winter sport. It's because you want to be around the people that are going after the same thing you're going after. If you want Jesus to form himself in you, go be with other people that are allowing Jesus to form himself in, in them. You know, it's exciting to see what, what the Lord will use and how he will do it with, with regards to how he will bring us to the obedience of faith. And we can say all we want that, that we can probably figure it out, and maybe there are people that can, but there's just something that is that requires grace, you know, that requires him, his supernatural power working in my life to bring about his purposes. I can't go out and do his purposes on my own. He's, he's like, listen, you don't have to do this on yourself, by yourself. I gave you my Holy Spirit to come and live inside you. I'm giving you grace to, come, to go do the things I'm calling you to do. And, and I have never, ever met anybody that has given their lives, served their lives, and you guys might have met people, but I haven't, that have walked with the Lord for decades and has said, I bet my life probably would have been better if I had done it on my own. I, just ha I personally haven't met any of them. Um, anyway, I guess that's what I want to talk about, uh, the, the obedience of faith. And I want to talk about a few things over the next uh, few weeks. Rodney has one um, week, but there's going to be a few. I want to talk about truth. Today we kind of talked about it, just, just about truth, about how when we allow his word to come inside of, we invite his word inside of us, allow it to change our belief systems, and that changes how we, how we act, how we believe, how we respond. It changes our relationships. It changes, I used to be a much angrier person. I used to be a much more judgmental person. I used to be a much more sarcastic person. I used to be a much more hot-headed person. 
You know, if somebody cut me off in traffic, I would do with that all the rest until I got home and be like, can you believe what this person did? They cut me off in the traffic and I could have died and I had my kid in the car. I'm bleh. Like I, but now I'm just like, somebody cuts me off in traffic. I'm like, oh man, Lord, thank you that I didn't get in a crash. I hope that person gets where they got to go safely. Like that's not for me. <laughs> that's for me allowing him to do his work in me. Because he wants to purify us. He wants to perfect us. He wants to bring about his love for people and, and place more of himself in us. He's, he's not asking us for, to do it on our own, just using behavior modification and like, oh man, I can't believe I got mad again. 50 lashes with a wet noodle or whatever. He's not asking for He's like, just let me in. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to put my spirit inside you. And so truth is the first thing, I guess, today I kind of talked about it. It's just like, valuing his word as true, learning that it's true, learning the principles, applying those principles to our lives. And when as we build those principles and we say things like we don't talk about people when they're not here, if you guys, you know, if you have a, if you want to talk to him, then let's, yeah, let's sit down, let's have a conversation, let's get it all worked out because we don't want to have, you know, heart things going on like Eh. Our hearts can kind of be like Meh, sometimes, but but when we but but we have we have these principles. We mine them out of life. We we compare them to scripture. We go like, okay, this is how I want to live my life, and then we we teach and we verbalize these in our faith communities, and we make ourselves better that way. But it starts with us valuing His truth, allowing it to, and actually pulling it inside of us. Just saying like, yes, it's a, this is a think of an arrow going in. I want truth in me because I want to live it out because I believe that his truth in me will change how I, the things that happen outwardly, right? So then um, I want to talk about uh, trust, like pointing our faith towards him. And then over the next few weeks, we'll talk about righteousness and holiness and how, how trusting and believing what righteousness is leads to the outward working of holiness, which is outward. So that's kind of like what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. But for this week, I just wanted to bring up the topic of the obedience of faith and how important it is in our, in, in our lives. So I just want to pray for you guys. Go ahead and stand up. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this, this room, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for just helping us to prepare our hearts to receive your truths, Lord. And I thank you that you do challenge us to struggle with and to grapple with these concepts of obedience and submission, things that normally we don't love to grapple with, but to, ta- to, to bring to you our thoughts about correction and about uh, being disciplined, that we would not be afraid of those things, but we would begin to see these things as just uh, a function of being in a relationship with you. That you want to shape us and form yourselves in us. And so just give us, give us uh, your grace, Lord, as we work through that stuff in our own lives. And thank you just for speaking to us. Thank you for reminding us always of your goodness. We just thank you, Lord. If anybody... <laughs> hasn't ever known this Jesus and is interested in stepping into a relationship with him, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. And if you're online, just raise your hand in your living room or wherever you are and just say, 
Just say with me, Lord, I think I want to know you. I want to know who you are and what you're about. And I want to walk with someone that's going to pull me out of the things that I struggle with, with whatever it is, name it, you know, anxiety or depression or addiction or just anger or unhappiness or sarcasm or whatever it is, gossip. I ask you to pull, and this is for the church too, I ask you to pull me out of these places, Lord. I want to walk down a path of obedience to you. Let there be nothing that I'm not willing to open up and let you examine. That I'm not, that I'm, that, that let there be nothing that I withhold from you. No part of my life where, I, where I'm not willing to say, Lord, have your way. As we walk together and as we grow together, I just, I thank you for the bond of, of, um, of the, the bond of love that the Holy Spirit brings. And I just thank you that you are very, very active in this body. Very, very active within us and our relationships and where we are trying to go. We just love you and we just want to be the type of people that say, have your way, Lord, that we lay our whole lives down before you. In the mighty name of Jesus. If anybody needs prayer, please come up because we... Believe in the power of prayer and that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Or if you need a word of encouragement, 